He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to this uh, live edition, Anthony Irwin Show Live Edition. I am Anthony Irwin, as always, here with you guys every single Tuesday afternoon. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, as always, again, with, with these Lakers, because they refuse to uh, just, you know, be normal. So we are going to uh, discuss all of what's going on here with the Lakers, uh, starting mostly with the Russell Westbrook stuff and, uh, you know, his response last night after the game and uh, the treatment that apparently he and his family have been seeing at the hands of fans. Uh, So we have to discuss that. The iTunes, uh, as you would expect, with iTunes having all the issues that they have had uh, lately, the iTunes reviews are not up to date. So we're just going to dive on in. Two hours stuff. I see Aaron is here, so I'll go ahead and add Aaron as a speaker as well. Uh, Aaron, are you? Are, well, it's connecting. Aaron, are you there? Can you hear me? I can indeed. I got you, brother. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's start though with with Russ, right? And uh, his comments last night were were kind of tough to hear in some parts, and then in other parts, you know. I I think there was some there was some room for some nuance and some conversation here. Um, I'm just going to start in the obvious place of stop sending death threats to players and especially their families. Well, not even just especially, just stop sending death threats like that. That should go without saying. Normally, <laughs> normally that that's not something I would need to say. Uh, but in sports, uh, for whatever reason, it is, you know, people buy tickets, people buy merch, people root for their team, and they think that gives them the ability to say whatever it is that they feel like saying. And now with social media, they can say it in a way directly to those athletes. So this isn't even a room for conversation thing. Don't say that shit to, to players and their families. Um, what I did find interesting is, is you know, the, the Westbrook stuff. And uh, the the conversation about, you know, how Russ, you know, is perceived and how that has gone over for his entire career. Aaron, I'll let you start this off. What, what was your response to that clip last night of Russ kind of letting it loose and, and letting people know what he's been going through, not just this year, but for the entirety of his career? Yeah, I I. I disagree with where you started and agree with where you finished um, about nuance. I don't think there is any nuance in this conversation. Mm. Um, death threats, players, family members, anybody, that is beyond the pale. Unacceptable. Yeah, that's what I said. Quit. Yeah, yeah but, That's where I started. Right. No, 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 but you said there, there's nuance in it. And the, no, 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 not the death threats part. I know, that's, on, not, that's not up for debate. No, correct. But I don't think, there's, I don't think it's up for debate about any of it. The West okay. Brick, the West Brick stuff, too bad, Russ, too bad. Like if people buy tickets, West Brick, booing, all of that, as far as I'm concerned, is fine. 
um, the death threats or when people at arenas say racial stuff or stuff about sexual orientation, all of that stuff, unacceptable. But like name calling, as long as it's, you know, like I'm making fun of your name um, or booing, like that is unfortunately, in my opinion, something that comes with the territory. I don't like it, right? And I understand why it frustrates Russ um, or other players, right? Because it happens all the time. Um, but too bad. That is what that kind of comes with the territory. Um, but I think there is a huge divide between that and death threats, racial stuff, sexual orientation stuff. Um, and all of that is unacceptable. I, I think I think it is, in this case, pretty black and white, what is okay and what is not. Um, and I feel for Russ. Because what he is going through, I don't care how much money you make, what he is going through, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. And I've said before on uh, The Hook and maybe here that when guys tell you that they don't see stuff or read stuff or hear stuff, they're lying to you. They do. And so as a human, I feel I feel for Russ because like he's not playing well. And he does make a ton of money. And I understand the frustration. Um, of fans but as long as that stuff is kept to talking about his play and booing and staying away from threats and racial stuff and sexual orientation stuff and and you know all of this other stuff I think it's I think it's okay and kind of too bad so the room for nuance aspect of this was what you just talked about in that second part was like some of this does like the 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 heckling and I've never particularly liked name calling like of all of the ways to, you know, let your, let your issues be known. I think name calling is kind of the lamest. That's one of the ones that I've always kind of stayed away from. Um, but, but that's just me personally. Like I remember like, this is the same guy who earlier this season told fans who were booing to go there, like to take their ass home. Right. And, and like, that's where I said at that time, I was like, that's not going to go over well. Like, this isn't, that's not going to help anybody. And unfortunately, also, like, his response to Westbrook uh, as a nickname or as a, not a nickname, but but as as a slander, I guess. It's not slander, though. It's true. But, but like, it, it's, it's him telling everybody, hey, this is what bothers me. To those people who were doing that stuff, like, that's only going to ignite it further. They're going to do I it agree. now. They're going to do it more because they know it gets under his skin. Oh, yeah, you know? I, I agree. Um, and and like I, I also I also yeah, like well just really quick like because I think we see this like with the amounts of money that that pro athletes make right like that's always the starting point for people who say like oh shut up and 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 this is just part of it I would love to make forty seven million dollars if it meant somebody showed up at my place of work and booed me occasionally right um, and and like. I, I guess, I don't know. I, I've always just kind of hoped that we could maybe do a little better. And, and yeah, like the booing, I said it on the lowdown, I booing, I'd never really have a problem with if name calling is your thing. So long as it isn't vulgar or racist or homophobic, whatever, uh, I, I guess like do you or whatever, but, but like there's this, I, I, Tom Ziller, uh, wrote in his uh, Substack today that Russ wants to be applauded when he plays well and he doesn't want to hear from anybody when he doesn't. And that's not how this works. That's not how fandom works. And, and like, that was the, I, I started and I focused last night on the lowdown about like the human element of this and how tough it must be that 
Russ can't to like doesn't feel like his family should go to his home games because of the treatment that some of the fans have out there. And if he's lumping Westbrook into that other stuff, like that's where he's just, I think, kind of wrong. I, he can take issue with it, but I, I, I would just kind of say like you can't, you can't equate that and the other stuff because it makes the other stuff like seem less important. And they are more important. They're always going to be more important. So I, I don't know. I, I just thought like when, when you compare like other people who make amounts of money on the on on par with professional athletes, it's entertainers, right? It's it's singers, it's it's um it's people who go out there on stage. And I've been at a concert where, you know, somebody was clearly phoning in their their uh it was it was Dave Chappelle. I was at a Dave Chappelle show and he was just kind of up there and just kind of wandering around and some like sometimes his stuff is great because he just kind of like wanders onto a topic and nails an appearance and then like this time he just kind of like wandered around and never really said anything and eventually like there was there was a smattering of booze and i have no problem whatsoever with those people i didn't boo but i had no problem whatsoever with those people who were just like hey man are you gonna say something like you're up there to like make us laugh and we paid a shit ton of money for you to make us laugh and we're still waiting, you know, and like, that's, that's part of how all of this works when it comes to entertainment. And, uh, that's something that I don't think Russ at this stage of his career, because of how poorly he's playing and how loud those boos are is ready, uh, to deal with. And I, and that's not changing any time on either side of that equation. Well, so there, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, I talked for a long time. I, no, no, you're good. I, I, I agree that I don't, I don't like policing like Russ's comments. I, I tend to agree with you that the West, him, him admitting that the West Brick stuff has gotten to him. Yeah. Um, I think that will probably make it worse um, because people that are like, I don't get it. The booing is fine. I don't, the name calling, I don't like it's, it's such low hanging fruit. I don't get it. Yeah, I've but, never understood. Like it's it's just not my thing. The people, the, the people that are going to do that are probably going to be emboldened by the fact that they know that it it's getting to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so that probably wasn't the wisest thing. But he was speaking emotionally yeah. and from the heart. So I'm not going to fault him for that. But I do agree that that will probably embolden people. Um, I think that the money part of it is kind of like I I don't I kind of don't care. I think mm-hmm. it's a red herring because he's a human being and yeah. no, no amount of money. I know I understand the more that he makes that puts a, 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 or him or anybody that puts a greater focus on him and his play hasn't been good enough. And I understand that it is also in a salary cap league that impacts where the Lakers could spend other money. So I, I understand why he kind of is the, the focal point of the frustration but as it relates to, um, well, you make so much money, like it's part of it. It is, but that doesn't mean he's not going to feel how he feels. He's a human being. Yeah. And no amount of money is going to take away, like that doesn't feel good. Right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody likes getting booed, right? It, it, like if you're a professional wrestler, fine. Like, right, you play the villain and that's what you do. But like as a real human being, that doesn't feel good. Russ wants to play better. Russ knows that he's not playing well and wants to play better. It doesn't feel good to get booed. It doesn't feel good to be made fun of, no matter how much money you make. So I think, in a sense, I understand why the money matters to fans, because it's going to be, he's going to be a greater point of frustration. 
But as it relates to an amount of money insulating you from the human reaction of feeling that way, I think that part of it's kind of a red herring. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree completely. And then I would take it a step further and I would say like, especially if, if his kids are asking him like after these games, Hey, like, wh- why are they saying those things to you, dad? Like having to explain that that's gotta be, that's, that's brutal. That's an, impo- I, that's an impossible conversation th- to try to have. Absolutely. Um, and one more thing I thought of that, that I meant to say that, uh, that I didn't is that like, I wouldn't, s- Russ knows how this works, right? KD left, signed with the Warriors and then KD comes back. And they're all the, you know, soft, the cupcake shirts and everything like that. Russ was trolling too. Russ gets it, right? He was doing the, he wore like the photographer's vest to make fun of KD, right? Because KD is a hobby, is photography. Mm-hmm. And so Russ wore like a photographer's vest to the game to troll and make fun of KD. So yeah. I, I don't think this is like, or it shouldn't, it probably shouldn't be completely lost on Russ, like how this works. Well, look. When we talk about Russ, like, again, I go back to this is the same person who told fans to go home for booing. This is the same person who, just like days ago, went at Bill Orem for asking if this has met, if the Lakers thing has met his expectations. Like, this is, he's not been the easiest person to work with, depending on which angle it is that you're coming from and working with him. And if you do so publicly often enough, like, eventually... You, you do, it is kind of on somebody to set an example on how they expect to be treated by treating other people that same way, you know? And, and again, that is completely separate from the, the, the death threats and all that stuff. That need, it should go without saying, but I'm going to keep on saying it just so that we're absolutely clear here. That stuff, absolutely wrong. But the heckling and and the name calling and the booing and and like just he he look it's been reported he doesn't even like criticism from the people whose job it is is to make sure that he performs right <laughs> like he doesn't seem to like any kind of criticism from anybody and again that's just not how professional sports work or any kind of public facing job works so yeah i mean if he if he wanted to face less of that criticism maybe occasionally focus on the weak side. If you wanted to face less uh, chance of Westbrook, maybe make a few more jumpers. Like, like the, you know, and, and, and he's, you know, it seems to be a semantics thing when it comes to, uh, I don't criticize me uh, this specific way, but I'm okay with the criticism. I, no, Russ, I, I, think you, I think you take issue with the criticism itself. And, and I think that's something that, again, it, it seems like, uh, he and and he's not alone. Like uh, most of us operate this way, we would prefer to just be cheered on whenever we do really really good stuff, and everybody just kind of go like eek and move on when we do dumb stuff. Like that would be great. My Twitter experience would be phenomenal if that <laughs> this worked. I would yeah. love, <laughs> but but, yeah. but that's not how the world works. I'm not sure if I have, but I was reminded when you said, um, you know, Russ was said, you know, the fans booing should go home. I was reminded of, I don't know if I, on the hook, if we've done this story time. Um, so I might be repeating myself. And if so, I, I apologize. But mm-hmm. I, uh, uh, before the Lakers, I, I worked for the Trailblazers for, for a while. And um, I, it was 11-12, I think the season was, that um, it was a lockout. The season started in, in December. And the Blazers had signed Raymond Felton, who was never somebody that was generally in great shape. 
Um, and then the season started kind of quickly. He comes in for the Blazers and is out of shape. He's overweight and mm-hmm. didn't play particularly well and caught a lot of flack for it. And at a particularly tense moment after a loss um, that he had gotten booed in, he had a conversation. I think I want to say it was uh, was Jason Quick, who was at the Oregonian at the time. I mm-hmm. uh, was a beat writer. And basically, had, Jason asked, Quick asked him about what he thought about, you know, the fans and booing and all of that. And he became combative, basically, and said, you can tell them all this is where I stay. And literally gave like where he lived. Oh my gosh! And basically, and basically challenged all of them to come, you know, come see me. Basically, and that doesn't make it better. I understand no. the sentiment. <laughs> I understand the sentiment, but that is pouring, yeah, you know, pouring gas on the fire. So, you know, it, but it's but it's human nature, right? It's hard for Russ to say like, oh, it doesn't bother me because that's lying, and it's hard. His natural reaction is probably, all right, I'm going to do something about this. Like, you want to say something, come say it to me. Or you guys go home or whatever. That's human nature also, or at least is human nature for some people. Um, But that is also not going to help. So the Russ saying, like, hey, fans, go. If you want to boo, go home. Don't come. Go home. It's not going to help either. All right, I'm going to bring in um, a couple people. So we have three people requested. I'm going to I'm going to expand it. I've never, I don't think, that, no, last week I did more than four people, but we're going to add, uh, I, I clicked out of the at already, but uh, Dalla and something is on here. Edwin, I'll bring you on. And Ultra, at Jcove12 is, is on here as well. Uh, Edwin, I'll start with you. Um, Russ, the, the Russ experience, and, and Aaron. Eventually, I'm I'm going to bring this back to you. The Russ experience. Oh no, at, I'm good. Let let it, let them let let everybody cook. If you need me, I'm here. But let everybody cook. Well, I'm 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 going to ask um, a question that might get you talking about Hennessy, but we'll we'll see though. But so fair enough. Um, fair enough. So Edwin, the Russell Westbrook. Hold on, let, me, ex- let me go. Let me go get some then. The, the Russ experience has been difficult enough as it is, right? It's kind of teetered beyond, you know, it was great when they traded for him. It was kind of like buying a boat. It was great the first day that you, you, you bought the boat. You felt great about it. You take it out the first time, and it, and it looks great, and it rides great and all that stuff. And then eventually you realize every time you look at the thing, it's going to cost you another 200 bucks to either fix or fill up. Um, and, and by the end of it, you're just ready to, to get rid of the boat. And, and I think here with Russ, again, it, it's never been particularly pleasant. And now it has bordered on or crossed the border into just flat out untenable. Again, this is another news cycle that makes you think this can't continue any further. There are 17 games left here. Do you, would you be okay sending Russ home if clearly the relationship between him and the Lakers is frayed and him and the Lakers fan base is frayed? Wow, that's a lot. One, uh, I'm still, uh, I've heard about boat maintenance, so I understand that sentiment in, in, in it as a concept. But for me, my life goal was to buy a boat. Like, I'm going to be so rich, I'm going to get a boat. And um, I, I, we don't have to go into my finances, but I still don't have that boat. So I'm still, I'm still hoping for those things. <laughs> I want those boat problems, you know? Uh, so yeah. I'm still not quite there yet. Uh, but I don't. Uh, I don't have a boat either. My my in laws have a boat, and they just always tell me how much it sucks <laughs> to actually own a boat. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see if Aaron has one in a, in a few minutes. But uh, um, yeah, for me, I would I would keep him on if, if we can. You know, e- even with everything going on, he's still the best point guard option. Believe it or not, starting. Uh, if they feel like it's better for him to sit down, or if they have a conversation, or if he, he brings it up, I mean, he doesn't even seem to want to be benched. I don't think he wants to not play. That doesn't seem like his mo either. So so I think we're just kind of in this situation for now and have to make the most of it. Uh, I, I know that his his comments kind of. You know he's kind of he's kind of you know you know lose lose anyway. If he doesn't say anything, people get mad. If he says something, people get mad. People are just gonna get mad. I think for me the the overarching thing, obviously, like you said, you know death threats and all that stuff is, is beyond ridiculous. And I think some people get confused. They're like, "Whoa, we can't say anything about Russ." And I'm like, "No, you can say he had a bad game when he goes five for fifteen. That's fair. And if he gets mad at that, I'm okay with that because I'm like, that's just a fair criticism, Russ. I'm sorry. What I'm not okay with is like you said, the Westbrook comments and and all the you know. This social media stuff, you know, I I don't think it's made things worse. I think it just exposes people's truth. And the truth is a lot of people here, you know, open up spaces and they, they create salacious titles and they're just trying to goat someone into a conversation or they're trying to say the hottest thing to get the most interaction. And we know that, unfortunately, we live in a world where talking about zipper cuts and horn actions and hammer screens are not going to get you the most interactions, but saying, oh, Westbrook again, and then doing a compilation, that might get you 100,000 views. And people have are inspired by doing that. And that's what I find so frustrating. I want to talk about the Lakers, good or bad. I want to talk about the sport, what's going on, what I'm excited about, what I'm frustrated about. I don't do that kind of stuff. And it, it disappoints me that that seems to be what people want to do. And you know, it's, it's a reoccurring cycle because then they get the clout from it and then people get inspired by it. And that ends up being what we're talking about. And at the end of the day, if we care about basketball, that's not helping the product. If like, hey, you know what the people who talk about the NBA do? They talk crap about all current players. Like that's what they do. They don't actually talk about the game. They just diss each other until someone makes the best joke and then we do it again the next day. And I think with that overarching problem with the NBA and how we talk about it, how it's covered on the national level, the small level, whatever, that's the issue that I find to be like most concerning about everything. I'm never going to argue against jokes. So like I'm, I'm, I'm always here. Like, you know, I, I hop onto Twitter, you know, I, we can have both. I can, I can follow Nikias. I can follow Pete. I can read Darius and I can get the nuanced look at basketball also. I'm also, I also really look forward to, other people's tweets out there that, you know, whether it's Josiah, right. And, and, and his ability to just immediately turn a situation into hilarious content like that. I really enjoy that too. Like we can have all of that. And I, I think Edwin, the, the cool part about where we are in terms of creating content is that you can create all of it. And there seems to be an audience for all of it. You know, that's why it, it, at silver screen and roll, maybe we do roughly 12 or 13 shows a week and some of them are short where you're listening in on, on uh, what you need to know about the Lakers. Some of them are a little longer and more conversation based. And all of those ones are from different perspectives. Like there's, there's, there's a place for all of this kind of content. And uh, you know, the, the topic du jour today happens to be Russ and this specific topic. I, 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 I don't really know. Sorry. Also, uh, Adrian Dollar, I I muted your mic because there was some background noise on it. So uh, I'll bring you in here um, again if I can make this work. 
Uh, yeah, and, and, and just to clarify, yeah. I'm okay with there being some jokes. I'm just saying that sometimes it crosses a line, and it seems like we're getting more towards crossing that line. Like, I love Josiah's tweets as well. Like, you know, I, I love the stuff Petty does and stuff. So th- there's a balance. I'm just saying sometimes we get too far on one end trying to search for the joke. And, you know, I remember one teacher, you know, I, I used to be a little bit of a jokester myself. And I remember one teacher once told me something that really hit me. And he said, um, you know, I know you're just, you know, you're just playing around. But at what point do you become the clown? And I think that sometimes we go a little too far where that, that ends up being the scenario or the sport becomes the joke. And that's my concern overall. We got to be careful with this stuff because that's how this, this happens, right? It goes from fair criticism to just something beyond that. And that's what we got to be careful about. Adrian, uh, I just removed you as a speaker to uh, be able to unmute you. So if you request again, I'll, I'll bring you back on. But just do me a favor and mute your mic while you're not talking because there's some background noise there. Um, yeah, no, I... I understand the concern, and that's a, that's a conversation Pete and I used to have on Lockdown Lakers a lot, is, is, hey, the way that we talk about basketball, it used to drive me crazy when I used to watch the jump because, you know, something great will have happened the night before. Some player will have done something great, and you look at it, and you're like, okay, the, the coverage here is about a back-and-forth that Kevin Durant had with, like, Matt Moore or something like that. Like, that's, that's the focus. That's what we're going to focus on here, and I – and my issue there was that, like, the ratio of covering one thing to another was way off. I think the, the focus needed to be more on the sport. I just don't think we need to, we, we need to ignore all of it altogether. Aaron, uh, I, I, I promised you I was probably going to ask you a question that was going to. All right, brother. I hope you poured the Hennessy. Yeah. I did. A heavy one, too. I did. I'm ready. <laughs> In the last. In the last 20, you know, 12 hours or so or 16 hours, um, has this changed anybody's stances on whether sending Russ home now makes even more sense than it might have before? I think Edwin made a cogent uh, point there. And that is for good or bad right now, um, Russ probably is the best point guard option. No, uh, well, look, LeBron is the best point guard option, but LeBron is the best and almost only center option other than the 12 to 15 minutes you can get from Dwight every game or two or three. So, uh, like, this is the – you got to dance with who brung you kind of at this point. Um, So I think that – no, probably not is is the, the quick and dirty answer. I don't think it's changed much unless it's gotten to a point for Russ where he's had enough and he goes to the, the powers that be and, and says, I'm done with this. But that doesn't feel like it's in Russ's DNA. And I don't think it's in the Lakers' best interest either because, A, he's probably still the best option at point guard. Uh, basically, maybe the only option at point guard. Uh, DJ Augustine has not looked ready to play at all yet. And if, if, if the Lakers are interested in moving Russ, um, sending him home, I don't think helps that, right? You, you, you're going to need those games where Russ does look like Russ from a couple years ago and is able to impact the game. Um, hopefully to try to, minimize the damage or minimize what you have to give up in order to move on from that contract. So no, I don't think anything has changed on that front unless, and I haven't talked to him in the last however many hours, um, unless Russ's opinion on the matter has changed. And then in that case, 
I mean, you probably want to honor that, but I don't, I don't think that's where it's headed. All right, Jeremiah, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you. Uh, oh, well, unless Aaron, did you have more? Or? No, no, no. But I think ultra up here putting his hand up, like he's been wanting to speak for a hot minute. Yeah. 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 I, I, I've seen the, I've seen the hand up. So, so where, where do you, I'm just going to hand it over, Jeremiah. Where, where do you want to go here? Do you want to talk about the fans and Russ? Do you want to talk about Russ and the Lakers? Do you want to talk, where, where do you want to go here on this, on this Russ conversation? First of all, I want to say, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. I do realize this is like <clears throat> one of the premier Lakers spaces. Um, there's a lot of spaces that open up and been trying to lend my voice to try to bring some different view of this whole thing because I agree with Edwin completely. Um, you know, I want to talk about the Lakers, and it seems like for mm-hmm. 60 games now, you know, the only issue that we've rallied around is Westbrook, his fit, his not fit, his not doing what front office or coaching staff or whatever fans are asking for. So there's a lot of things. Um, but for me personally, I just feel like everything – with the Lakers fan base has just gone a step too far. Um, you know, it shouldn't take Westbrook coming and saying that he doesn't feel appropriate that his family should come and attend games for the likes of Magic Johnson and others to speak and say, we need to rally behind the Westbrooks. Like, there's 16 games left. You know, this has been what's going on all year. You know, um, I think there's a human element of things that is kind of being overlooked and like you were saying earlier you know I get that it's entertainment it's this it's that you know but I mean to be quite honest it is it's almost it's almost indicative of what society is all about you know we support what is 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 hot right now and then when it's not we push it off to the side and the reason why I say that is because you look at the instances of what's taking place with former players like Kevin Love and um, DeMar DeRozan, who spoke out about their mental wellness, you know, mm-hmm. and we can't, we, we tend to say like, they're just supposed to deal with it because they're millionaires, man. And, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a real shallow kind of way of thinking, you know, he, if, if, if you listen to the interview he gave, I'm a parent of two, right? My daughter is a three-year-old who goes to preschool. He said that when he and his wife went to um, their son's uh, parent-teacher conference, they talked about how proud he was of his last name, how he's writing it out, how he's spelling it, all those things. As a parent, not as a person who loves basketball, not yeah. as a person who, like, as a parent, that hit a chord for me. You yeah, know? me like, too. For, for my daughter to come home one day and be like, Dad, why why do they talk about the Covingtons like this? You know, so, again, it's a human element to things. But it's also being twisted to say, like, he's only focusing on the West Brick thing. He he. Open this opening line was saying, I can take the criticism for my play. And I feel like that's been missed along the season as well. You know, Westbrook has never really talked to the media in ways that people have been accepting of. We can just state that as clear. You know, he has a track record of you yeah. know, being real short with them. He has a track record of not really being know, rude, playing, playing, right, playing by etiquette rules, right? So we get that. Um, but the other thing is, you know, we have to look at the way that a lot of the people who are framing these things about Westbrook are saying in a national sense, you know, so I get why he has some hesitancy, but it's, there's a human element that's really missing. And it's unfortunate that as a fan base with all of the history that the Lakers organization has for them to 
again, this is his hometown. Like, this is not just a player playing for another organization that he grew up loving. This is also his hometown. And for him to say that his family, he doesn't want to bring his kids to games, like, again, as a parent, me and my daughter watch Laker games probably two, three times a week. And to say I can't even bring my son, my daughters, to the arena, like, that's a that's an issue for me, you know. And for people to dismiss it as, like, uh, it just comes with the territory of being a millionaire, you know, entertainer, athlete. No, it doesn't because it's not appropriate for small children. And, again, everybody has their thing. But my my focus is that we've spent the entire season. We know that the Westbrook experiment wasn't the best option going into the season. So we can all agree to that. But for us to sit, dissect his play only, time in and time out, is just like, yo, like, we have way bigger issues outside of just what Westbrook is not doing on the court. You know, we have players that are out of position. We have players that are playing over the minutes that they thought they were going to have to play when they got here. We had a rookie who we didn't expect to have to play as many minutes since starting. He's now a starter for us. So it's like Stanley Johnson. Like, there's a lot of pieces that just are not the team itself just not working, right? Yeah. Last it, night, last night was funny because the uh, the I, I, there were a lot of comments about like, man, that bench lineup is kind of brutal. And you look at the guys who are on that bench lineup, and most of them, if not all of them, weren't in the league last year or like exactly. were borderline NBA players last year. Yeah. So, so you factor in all of those things about you got third. How, however, players. though, if if you don't mind, really quick though, however, like a lot of those guys are in those positions because of Russell Westbrook's contract, though, right? Like, like we also have to acknowledge that that the trade forced it. Like when you have a big three. And uh, they are all making the amounts of money that AD, LeBron, and Russ are all making. It forces sure. you to have a bunch of minimum guys. And if those big three are either unavailable or underperforming, it puts a big, a greater stress on those guys who are now, like you're talking about, expected to play in larger roles than veteran minimum players should be expected to play. So it, it's all kind of connected, in yeah. my opinion. And, and, you know, to, to play devil's advocate, you know, uh, and and I don't want all these people in this space to be like, oh, here go another rust stand. It's just like, I mean, but at what point is that player's fault for? And I get that he, he pushed along with LeBron and for Anthony Davis. They pushed for him to get here. But it's still like the team had to be put together in ways by the front office. It's not like Westbrook, LeBron. AD were like, all right, here are the players I need y'all to surround me with. Because, again, we didn't have the assets. And, I, and you're right. Like, his contract does limit what we were able to build. But let's just at this point, the 16 games left, just chalk it up to what it is. It didn't work, you know. I mean, hopefully these last, you know, a couple of weeks we can see something. But, you know, as a, as a realistic fan, I'm more now concerned about what it's going to mean to other pre- perspective for uh free agents like mm. here here we are you know our superstars advocated to bring this guy in you know, everybody wasn't all on board whatever the case may be we have a whole nother discussion about the way that the front office um, the coaching staff um the buses the ran by all of that there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and essentially we have a lot of different meals 
trying to be attempted, but we don't have any ingredients. We don't have the necessary <laughs> ingredients. So again, just a whole bunch of spam. It's, we just, just, <laughs> it's just a bunch of food without a plan on how to cook it. So hold on, yeah. I can make something out of some spam now. Hold so, on now. Some like some like used salt, some like moldy pepper. Yeah. But my hope <laughs> is that, you know, there's a real look in the mirror and try to do things differently, regardless of the players on the roster. We can just say that the last few years have been handled poorly, you know, and I know there are a lot of outside factors like, you know, I get why the team was blown up in 2020 in the summer of 2020 simply because like a lot of that just needed to happen because of where we were as a society, where the NBA was like, I get it. You know, I get why LeBron said, go get me Westbrook so that I cannot have to, you know, overexert myself throughout the season. And then we just play the same way we played as if we didn't bring in a point guard to try to facilitate. So my thing is just like, I hope there's a real look in the mirror. People are going to really look to improve the team, not just the players that play on the court, but the front office, put some qualified people on the coaching staff, get the right voices in the front office, something, because as a fan, I'm like, all right, who the hell is going to want to come play for us now? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, who we're laughing stock of the league and it hasn't been for you know a couple months out the season it hasn't been for a few weeks this has been consistent from preseason you know so that's my thing you know i i feel you edwin i would like to have more discussion about the real issues about how we don't have a offensive system um, that we don't have uh identity of a playing style that we want to consistently run out for five or ten games in a row or the fact of a consistent starting lineup to have 32 starting lineups, you know, I mean, I don't even know. Just... Do, we, do we have a starting lineup that has even five games together? I, I doubt it. I've never seen that graphic be more than one and two, oh, and one first time. It, it, it's just, honestly, it's almost impressive how Vogel, he's finding all the permutations possible, uh, you know, out of 16 people, you know, those math problems, how many combinations can you get? I think he's just about ran through it, which, you know, that that's just impressive. And none will ever feature when you're Gabriel. Um, and- <laughs> Man, why do we not? Why, like, what are we doing? We need. Oh my God! I'm sorry. Let all right, all right, a- Adrian. You you've been you've been waiting. You've been a speaker. You haven't been a speaker. Now you're a speaker again. Where are you at on all this? Whoa! Can I go? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Okay. Thank, thank, thank. I'm on the other side of the fence on this, guys. Okay. Uh. At the end of the day, we're here because Russ is not playing well. That's the bottom line. Yeah, we all want to talk about the Lakers. It's a whole lot of good stories to talk about the Lakers, but the main reason why we're not talking about them is Russ' play is sticking out like a sore thumb. He's he's been incredibly bad. Not just oh the fit's not good. He his play has been horrible at times, horrible at times, and he got to admit to that. He got to own up to that. Trash talking, trash talking, name calling, that's all been a part of the game. No, I'm not with the death threats. I I, I would never wish that upon anyone. That's not cool in any sense. But we got to be realistic now. You know, are we really, does he really, you can't really take everything seriously. You know, I think the sympathizers are making it a bigger issue than what it is. Russ just got to play ball. Simple as that, man. If you play better, this goes away, Simple as that. Yes, we are human. Just like there are spaces where people are just ripping Russ and saying he's just the horriblest player that they ever saw. There's also spaces 
where they giving us all the praise in the world. Listen to those. But at the end of the day, he has to play better. It's just as simple as that. He has to play better. And then we can talk about all the other issues, all the good things that's going on with the, with the Lakers. But Russ has to play better. Yeah, I, I I think they're that like I, I think Adrian makes makes uh, uh you know good points there. I think Jeremiah, you made some so you know good points. I there's 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 aspects to all of this that are all like it is objectively true. The Lakers needed Russ to play better this year. It's also objectively true that it almost doesn't matter whether Russ would play better, seeing as Anthony Davis is gonna wind up missing half of the season. And that, like that's not in Russ's control. And it's also true that, like, we don't know how this is. LeBron is now officially questionable for, for uh, tomorrow's game. Like, if he misses another big chunk of the season, it won't, it won't have mattered how Russ played. Now, when those three play together, they look kind of meh, you know, and, and that's kind of where we are. And that, to, to Adrian's point, is, is about, like, yeah, he just needs to be better. And everybody just needs to be better. Um, Aaron, I, I'm, the, the, the conversation about, like, Wait, hold on. Why you why you go from everyone needs to be better and then talk to me? Hold on. <laughs> well, I was All gonna right, make a is, joke. Come on, Aaron. Yeah, if, come you, on if you come on if you if you if you overuse spam, are you spamming spam? Like, is that if you? Oh, oh, yeah, that's it, not bad. Uh, I think that's true, right? But but yeah. like what like we, we we clearly have the two ends of the spectrum here with Jeremiah and with uh, Adrian. I think we there, need to stick with this Aaron thing. How could Aaron be better? I think that's the next question we got to address here. <laughs> uh, you, you tell me. <laughs> well, I apparently the, I'm open. I'm open to all constructive criticism. Come on. Well, unlike, unlike Russ, right? Unlike Russ, according to some reports. But uh, nobody, yeah, but nobody's out here calling me names though, and nobody's threatening. Nobody's threatening my family. So let's let's not equate me with Russ. Well, but like. I don't think Frank Vogel is is threatening Russ's family when he tells him to pay attention on the weak side on defense. Like that's just that that's the part. Like what what Adrian was talking about. I thought the point that stuck out the most was the accountability involved. And I think there have been times where Russ says the right things after games. I think just the other game, right? He just said, uh, "I need better. I, I need to play better. I need to do better." Right? And we've heard that time and time and time and time again. And then we've seen time and time and time and time again the same kind of issues that like that aren't statistical things. It's not just the shooting, but it's that like on defense you can never predict where the guy is going to be. You just never really know. And and I think that's all a part of this conversation too. So I get again, we have the two ends of the spectrum here and we if we want to just focus on basketball, which is all I've ever wanted to do when I talk about Russ and when I talk about the Lakers I don't get into personality stuff. Like I don't. I don't know these people. I don't. I don't. I don't know any one of them uh, well enough to go into their personality or any of that. What I do know is what I've seen on the basketball court. And like Adrian said, Russ and everybody else needs to be better. But Russ making forty-four million this year and being the key acquisition that the Lakers were going to hope would lighten the load on LeBron, uh, like he is going to get highlighted here. And and I, I I don't I don't know really what next step in that conversation that like that can actually happen beyond either the season is just going to end and he's going to be gone or he plays better. That's it. So a lot of that is fair. Um, I do not make forty four million. Um, I also don't kind of get the salary cap. 
But <laughs> I think, but I think it is, but I think it's fair to say that everybody involved needs to be better. But the truth of the matter is that none of that is happening before this off season. Um, and I will tell you that internally, I, I'm, this always, this always makes, this always feels weird to me and you guys can't see me, but I'm going to, I'm putting up air quotes cause I'm going to say we, but that always feels weird to me. Right. Cause I'm well, not you are, you are with the organization. Yeah, yeah, fine, yeah, fine, fine. Like Pete fine, can, I'm, Pete said that for years on lockdown Lakers and all the, the big J journos were all like, Oh my God, I can't believe you said we, now he actually gets to say we. It still yeah, makes a shout out to Pete. But it's yeah, shout made, out Pete. It's, it's always made me uncomfortable. But what I will say to everyone in here is that putting up air quotes, we are already having conversations about the offseason because this year kind of is what it is. Um, and so, look, it doesn't mean that everybody does, isn't still trying to win as much as possible this year, but there also has to be an acceptance of reality. Right. I used to watch uh, or listen to and actually like now uh, I'm sure Well, I'm old, but I'm, I would imagine people know who Dr. Drew is. And despite he's a fucking weirdo at this point, but, um, but they, they used to, I'm terrified of where this is going to go. No, no, no. So there used to be a show. He, like he came up and Adam Carolla came up on a yeah, show because yeah. they had a show called Love Lines. It was a radio show. Yep. And um, used to come on at night and. Uh, I grew up, I grew up in the Bay and my brother and I used to go to A's games, you know, when we were in high school and I would drive over across the bridge, we'd go to A's games and on the way back, we'd listen to Love Lines. And it was, we would listen to it basically just to like cackle at all these ridiculous calls that people would make and the advice that they would seek from Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. But the one thing that has stuck with me for my entire life since then, when it was like, mostly just like, we're making fun of all these like my boyfriend has cheated on me 73 times, but I want to give him another chance. Right. Yeah. But Dr. Drew used to always say, and I will admit he, he seems like a fucking weirdo at this point, but he used to always say, deal with reality on reality's terms. Mm -hmm. Right. And like what you want and what you wish and what should be, isn't necessarily what is. And you have to deal with reality as it is. And the reality for the Lakers this season is it's not going to end how we all hope it ends. And so those conversations, we, air quotes again, we have started talking about next season. and Or not even next season so much, but talking about the offseason and what can be done. But that is the next time that anything can actually happen. So I think it's important to kind of like take a bigger like, – There's there is a sunk cost already to this year. And I think it's important to recognize that there isn't much that can be done now, or maybe not even anything. But – for Lakers fans and everybody here to understand that we, again, air quotes, do care about what's going on and do recognize it is how it's going this year and are trying to figure out what to do next. Well, right. That's why I asked you if, if sending home was an, uh, sending Russ home was an option. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to put a very fine point on that because you, <laughs> you, you, you've been bringing that up a lot. First, Hennessy is delicious. <laughs> Secondly, I do not see any scenario that that happens unless Russ asks for it. And nothing that I know of Russ or any of us have seen from Russ indicate that that is something he would request. 
Yeah, the the Lakers roster, right? Especially if LeBron is in and out of the lineup, like they just they can't not have Russ. Like I like I I Edwin, I'm with you on on, well, on the point that you without, made earlier. Without Anthony Davis, there is no size on the Lakers. So LeBron is the best, and in some games, only option at five. So well, I mean, who else is going to play point guard? He Talon. Talon. Not the best. Yeah. He absolutely cannot go home. He can't, he can't, he can't ask to go home. That'll be horrible. That, no, that'll, no, I, I'm not they'll sure. jump I, on me to work. I think there's no chance of Russ asking that. Yeah, what I'm I telling you is the organization will not do that unless Russ, Russ asks to. Yeah, of, of what little I know about Russ, uh, that is one thing Aaron and I would agree with you 100% on, is that he's, he's not going to like ask out of the situation. Uh, absolutely not. All right. Um, Edwin, Jeremiah, and Adrian, I'm going to uh, bring in some different speakers. So thank you guys uh, for your input um, as, uh, you know, over, over that one. Uh, that was a, a really good conversation. And, and, and I'm glad that we kind of set up the parameters of the uh, ends of the spectrum here. So I'm just going to bring up the next three people that I see on my list. So it looks like Raquel, I'm going to add as a speaker. Uh, at rich underscore bam, I'm going to uh, bring on as a speaker and I'm going to bring on Christian uh, as a speaker. So um, Raquel, we're, we're, we, again, we set up the two ends of the spectrum here and eventually I'd like to talk about winning time. I'm not sure we're going to have enough time for that, but, but uh, we set up the two ends of the spectrum here on this conversation, which side do you, are, are you closest to if you're not all the way on one side versus the other? Hi, thank you so much for letting me speak. Um, of course. And hey, Aaron. But um, for me personally, I think that um, both sides are very valid. I feel like no one should condone any fan base, even the Lakers fans, threatening death threats or anything of that nature. Because it is, at the end of the day, for everybody, it's just basketball. We should be able to have some type of ability to separate a person and making it personal and thinking that it's okay to attack a person's family or attack a, even a player on a personal level. I do think though, on the other side of the spectrum, which is, is that again, um, I was watching uh, ESPN earlier, Malika and, and RJ and Kendrick Perkins and their points were valid as well where it's like it's unfortunate because we all know that these players sign up in a way for this but I still don't think oh well you make a million dollars it should be okay that people constantly attack you I've been saying this for a while now I've been saying that it's not okay for even the media or even us as, as fans to attack them personally however I feel like if it's just being constructively criticism of their game, which you guys mentioned in saying like, no, we did expect you as a former MVP, as a player who we acquired that was supposed to be like a three, a big three. And we thought that you were going to be, you know, we knew AD is kind of injury prone or he doesn't play sometimes. So we thought you were going to be the person that would pick that up or if LeBron were to get injured. Right. So my thing is, is that you did underperform for what we expected. Now, does that mean that you should get your family attacked and people should say these mean, mean names, names to you? No, not at all. I don't agree with that, but I also do not agree with the notion that, you know, all of a sudden it's like, it's gone too far because like I was saying earlier, when I tweeted this, I said, how many times do we, think that LeBron has gone through this. His wife has gone through this. Other NBA fans, we know the example that Danny Green said. And again, we still need to stop this overall as fans. 
yet we can't make it seem like he's the only person that's that happened to and on the other spectrum is again if Westbrook was playing better everybody would get on their side everybody would love that we want that I don't think you should bully people but people have think online that the thing now is is that you bully people into playing better and I've been saying that that wasn't fair even when it wasn't Westbrook when it was Coos when it was other type of players I've said when do we stop doing this? And now that it's, you know, a person who is a bigger figure, we're like, oh, now it's not fair. I, I just think it wasn't ever fair and I don't like it at all. But I also think that um, I don't think people are wrong for expecting him to play better and having those expectations. Yeah, it's just that, that that's the point. Like if fans don't have expectations or fans aren't allowed to have expectations, then what exactly are we allowed to do? <laughs> like we're just we just show up to the game and we'll see how things go. Like that's basically being a Kings fan. Um I also remember, you know, Raquel, you kind of brought to uh my memory. I remember when Kobe got booed. Uh when he was asking for a trade he was uh, in, and, and, and saying he would play on Pluto and he wanted to trade for Jason Kidd and he wanted to get Bynum up out of there. Uh, I remember when he was asking for that trade, that very first game back, the late Lakers fans booed him because they were upset that they were their favorite player, this guy that they stuck by for, for as long as they did, was now asking out. And, um, and he, got, he got really close to being moved. I remember there was a move on the table for Chicago uh, that he – rescinded because he didn't want Chicago to send uh, Lou Waldeng back to the Lakers, ironically. That first game, though, he showed up, he took his booze, he played his ass off, and by the end of the game, Lakers fans were chanting MVP because that's what that's what fans do. You know, if you, if you perform up to expectations or if you exceed expectations, fans are going to give you yours. And, and you know, again, it – I, I agree, Raquel, and I agreed with Jeremiah that I think it does go too far in the negative direction sometimes uh, because, like, there's only so positive that a person can be. Uh, there are endless depths to which a fan can get uglier and an uglier and uglier, and, and I think that's what that's the part of this equation that, that can sometimes get out of whack. Um, Christian, where, where, when you heard and read and all those comments and stuff like that. Um, and also I, I hope you appreciated that King's jab. Um, when you, when you heard all of that stuff and you've seen how this season has gone down, like I, I, I still think it's, it's untenable. I, I can't wait for all of this to end. Where, where do you stand here? Yeah, I think, uh, sending, uh, death threats to Russell Westbrook's family is bad. I uh, wouldn't recommend it uh, to anybody. I don't know if that is uh, the first time that's been said uh, in here, but uh, I don't know if it's no, a hot I, take. I, we've, we've said it a few times over. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. I, I appreciate I, uh, the amount of credit that you're giving me, that you're not yeah, positive yeah. that I've told people not to send death threats <laughs> to people. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I, uh, I don't think it's good. I wasn't a fan when it happened to Danny Green. I think, I think um, you know, it, it's the issue that people run into with Lakers fans a lot. And it's that there are so many of us that even the silent majority feels like so many people. Um, And, you know, that sucks. It it happened with, you know, as you guys mentioned with Danny, it happened with even Markeith Morris after 
game five of the NBA finals, everybody was petitioning for Markeith and Danny not to get their rings, which is the dumbest thing. And I, in situations like this, I really just think it is, you know, your responsibility or our responsibility as people. Gosh, I don't. Yes. As, as people, but you know, people with platforms like, Oh, us. Oh gosh. Really just, you know, call out how dumb it is and that's all it is it's not you know brave of us to take a stance that you know nobody should be getting death threats like that's not what it is it really is just you know lakers fans coming together and drawing a line in the sand and i mean i think there are a few lines you can draw before you get to death threats i think calling a player anything outside of their name is is you know usually where i draw the line i like to stick uh yeah, to basketball I'm, and criticizing a player—that's I'm with you there. That's that's what we do, but um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I just hope uh, hope he plays better. That's that's all anybody wants when it comes to Russell Westbrook is that he looks good and and plays well. I think most of us are at the point where kind of giving up on on that, but doesn't mean you can't you can't hope. Uh, blind optimism is is where is what's kept me going this season is the uh, even when Russell Westbrook is having a bad game you know my tagline this season has been that's my point guard because it is <laughs> it is my point guard and uh, whether whether I like it or not that's my point guard so that's that's how I'm approaching it and I I hope that's uh, the mentality that most people continue the season with but I'm also but I've been around long enough to know that that is unfortunately not going to happen. Um, all right, let's let's wrap up the Russ conversation with Rich here, and then we'll dive into winning time because I, I I had a blast watching it. I want to talk to uh, it about with you guys, and we've been on here long enough that that if you haven't watched Winning Time, um, and we get into spoilers, even though it's it's not fiction, um, we can we can jump into that as well. But Rich, um, where where are you at here with? Uh, Russ and expectations and and the way that fans treat the athletes that they root for. Hi, everybody doing? Uh, first off, I want to say, like, I actually love Russ. Like, I have always loved Russ. When Russ was playing over the teams, I always thought that Russ was, like, a, just a great player. I honestly think that i kind of been saying this for a couple of months now. I honestly think that the problem with the Lakers are actually the fans. I think that the fans kind of can have such, like, great expectations for, like, a certain player or a certain team. And I kind of think that, like, it, it starts with us, then it goes into the media. But I think just the criticism and uh, just all that negativity kind of just takes the fun out of the game. Because if you actually watch a Laker game, it's not like we just – start the game and we just getting blowed out from the beginning of the game like I think the Laker fans just be so upset because like a lot of these games in which we do lose they be so close enough to the point in which we could have won we could have scores it out one three-pointer away one turnover away like just bad plays so I honestly think like just as Lakers fans that we can just kind of just support our team more like that's what it all comes down to just supporting our team more supporting our players more like instead of like you know you kind of just giving the media kind of giving the media things to kind of piggyback off of like negative wise like I just think we just kind of just come together and just spread like positivity when it actually does come to the Lakers I think that this season can turn around I think that like 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 I, I Wait, you I, think I, this I, one can yeah, I honestly think that we still have. Hold on, let like that a, let that brother go. Let him go. 
think that the season really can't turn around like I like I honestly think if you kind of look at the players like like a lot of people say the white is washed I, I honestly don't think that the white is washed I think the white is better than a lot of like like the white can go to another team right now and possibly start like like I think that the white is not washed I think they're just like it's negative like they just just, just, just negativity that we kind of just spread amongst each other, and I honestly think that the Lakers still like how like Ortiz said. I think that the Lakers have a true, a huge chance of still coming back and winning. Like even though we we deal with injuries, we still haven't seen none play. I just heard somebody uh, ask like like who could back up Russ? None certainly can. Like none is a great player. Like even though we haven't seen him, like we like, we still have LeBron and AD. You know what I'm saying? Like we still have a full roster. Like like we still have a team that's a lot deeper than a lot of other people. Like I think Melo is having an amazing season. Like even though it is not showing up on the paper, I just think if like we could just kind of come together and just put that camaraderie together, like as a team. And I think it could start with us, which will leak into the media, which will leak into the team. I just feel like everything kind of still turn around. I mean, there's something too sending positive vibes out there. Um, you know, we we do the same thing with with people that we care about. Um, you know, even if they're up against, you know, really tough odds and in, in whatever it is that they're going through, you still want to send out positive. So I, I see where you, where, where you're at. And I see, uh, by the way that your, your, your name on Twitter is, is hashtag by any means. And you know what? I, I get it. I see, I see, you know, by any means, you just got to do what you have to do there. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what the Lakers are, are faced with here. And look, I see all of the stuff that, that, that you're saying there. I personally don't, don't see it happening, but I also am not going to hold it against anybody or call them idiots for, for wanting to believe. Cause if you don't want to believe, or if there's a lack of belief there, then you're just, you know, it's just existential dread. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's uh, get over to a more fun topic in my opinion. Uh, and, and Raquel, um, by any means, and uh, I, I believe we lost the other speaker there. Thank you guys very much for hopping on um, and and giving your input there. That was that was a, a fun conversation as well. Um, Aaron and, and Christian, did you guys both watch the uh, winning time pilot? Yeah, I did. Yeah. All right. Um, the funniest part of it to you? What was the what was because I can give mine right off the bat. The part that made me just fall over laughing was the still image of the person playing Jerry West and it said Jerry West has never been happy. It just, it, I don't know what it was about that, about that thing that made me cackle the way that it did, but it got me. Oh, that and the descriptors of magic and Larry were like hardworking for Larry and humble and all these things. And it was like, white, 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 white. And then with magic, it was naturally talented. And, and uh, what was the other one? The showy and all this stuff and black, 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 black. I thought, I thought, I loved the breaking of the fourth wall and, and all of the, the the little subtitles over the course of the show. I thought it was great. Yeah, I thought uh, the meeting with uh, Jerry Buss, Magic Johnson, and the, the <laughs> other guy, <laughs> um, I thought that was one of the highlights of uh, the pilot. Like, I, I, It just goes to show, like, it really is a a period piece in the sense that that is still very much how things were at the time, especially when it came to, you know, people in that those positions of power, millionaires. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. 
I think the part that made me laugh was uh, another like lower third where it cut to Donald Sterling and it said the second worst Donald uh, in the world at the time. And <laughs> the like, second worst Donald of the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> I mean, I think they hit the nail right in the head with that one. Yeah. Uh, I was it, I was really struck um, because uh, I'm I, well, I don't know that I'm older than everybody. It's a bunch of people in here, but I am certainly older than than both of you guys. Uh, and hi, Raquel. Sorry, I, I, you said what's up earlier. So hello, my dear. Um, I was struck by the juxtaposition of it's it, it from for I don't know how long it ran, an hour and whatever. But for almost all of it, it was a very lighthearted, often funny, interesting, you know, the breaking of the fourth wall, which I think they did a little bit too much. But I think it was I think the show has been cast incredibly well. Yes. And um, they and it's all funny because basically everybody in the show, they have like turned up the the personality traits of everybody (laughs) and and made it a caricature of those people. And it was it was mostly it was mostly lighthearted and fun and even funny, as you guys talked about. But I was struck with the juxtaposition of the first, you know, whatever, two minutes of the show um, with Magic finding out that he was HIV positive mm. because I'm old enough to remember. I remember and I did not grow up a Warriors, uh, a Lakers fan. I grew up a Warriors fan. I grew up in San Francisco, but I was a huge NBA fan. And so I am old enough to remember. I remember where I was, you know, for like the, all the old timers that talk about you know where you were in these certain moments, whether it was like JFK's assassination or whatever. I remember where I was Me too. when Magic uh, went with the HIV virus that I have attained. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, re- I remember where I was in that moment and it, and it brought me back to that moment. And it was like a very, it was a very, I think they did incredibly well encapsulating that period of time encapsulating the 80s and and you know with that magic thing the early 90s because when in those days in 1991 late 1991 when when magic uh said that he had hiv that he was hiv positive um the world was a very different place and we all thought that that was a death sentence yes yeah i remember go ahead i was struck i was struck by and I think they did a really good job. How accurate is it? That's a different conversation. But I thought it was very well done, and I thought it was entertaining. But the juxtaposition of starting with that when in 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 that time we all thought that Magic was going to die like very soon, um, and it was it was kind of for me because I you know I was a teenager at that time. It reminded me of the beginning of of the pandemic in you know February or March of 2020 where. There's just such a lack of information. Everybody is really afraid. Yeah. Uh, I, what it like? How do you catch this? What does it mean if you get it? All of that. So, I, I was I was fascinated by the juxtaposition of the first couple minutes were really like sad and dark and down, and then the rest of the show was pretty lighthearted and fun and funny. I kind of wonder if if they'd have known the amount of hype that it was going to generate before it, it even aired. Um, I kind of wonder if they would have done that over the same way and not stretch it out into like, cause right now they're talking about the rise of the Showtime era. Well, that was, that was the end of the Showtime era. That was it, you know? And 
So I kind of wonder, like, are they going to go through all, through all of the Showtime era in this one season? I kind of would have liked to seen them. There's so much detail in the book. Like, Christian, you mentioned that meeting that Magic had with, um, with Jack Kent Cook and uh, with his dad. And it wasn't uh, Dr. Buss in there. It was actually Chick Hearn, uh, according to the book, who said, no, Jack, let the guy get a burger. And Chick was like the only person that could actually get Jack to, to, to rethink something. So like, I wish that they would have opened with something else just so that like, that's not how we, we know now how the C- series is going to end. Is that, is that going to be all of the first season? I, I, I'd be kind of bummed if it was. Um, yeah. I, the other, the other part of, of this that I, I, I wanted to really kind of shout out. I really liked the way that it was shot. Like I liked, kind of the it's not in hd it doesn't feel like it's you know it it looks a lot more retro i think sean hyken said it's like vinyl but for tv i i really enjoyed that aspect of it that kind of presentation to it um as well and i i can't wait to see where they go with it uh it's 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 such a fascinating show and i'm glad that they're um painting jack kent cook to to look like the asshole that he was because <laughs> Uh, I, I'm, I'm, you know, history shouldn't look back particularly fondly on the on fact him. that he, the fact that in the show at least he comes across as an even bigger asshole than Donald Sterling is is not lost on me. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I, but was was Donald Nor- Sterling known to be that kind of an asshole back then too? If you were paying attention, yes. Okay, all right, because that's yeah, that's the were, part of I was. Yeah, this was this was before my time and. Because um, there are dozens, we knew if you go back and look, there are dozens yeah. of of LA Times pieces. Yeah. That that Well we knew about the, the rent and shit like that and, and exactly, like how racist yeah. he was and that. Yeah. Like that's that's for sure. That's that's absolutely true. I honestly think he was the worst Donald of the eighties, but that's just my <laughs> like the the worst Donald to come out of the eighties, but but uh the other one is is like one A. Um all right. I got to get going. My daughter is knocking on the door here and I have to edit and post this on the pod. So just a reminder, if you've missed any of this conversation, which it was a really, really good one. So thank you everybody uh, who, who chimed in today. I greatly appreciate that. Um, if you've missed any of it, I'm going to post this onto the Silver Screen Roll podcast feed um, and, and uh, write up a post about it for Silver Screen and Roll. So until then, I'm Anthony Irwin. That was Aaron Larsoul. That was Christian Rivas. That was 